All right. Episode 58. We are going to be rocking and rolling today. I have Susie York, Love Good Fats, and I have Jason McCormick, Complete Recycling. Hello. Hello. Hello, Mark. Susie, we get right into it. What a cool brand. A lot of exciting stuff just came out about it. But for those that want to know, give us the story. When was it founded and what is the story behind it? Love Good Fats. We started shipping our first boxes September 7, uh, September 2017. So we're about three years old. Started in Canada, in Toronto, six stores and 20 stores and 200 stores. And then it just went across the country in 2018 and 19 uh, to, 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 uh, to the point of being in every single store and banner. And then the U.S. banners started calling us, seeing the, reading the results from Canada and saying, whoa, like, what is this brand that's kind of slaying in Many, many, many banners were number one and two uh, item ranking skews right off the bat, and we rolled out really quickly. Um, it's all about a ridiculously delicious bar. Uh, started with two bars, and now we have uh, nine and ten. Uh, Truffle-like course, loaded with good fats, moderate protein, you know, seven to, to nine, ten grams of protein, and then very, very low in sugar. And there's kind of magic that happens in the core because you taste the bar and it's like a, a soft truffle um, and they're really, really tasty and only one to two grams of sugar and all clean ingredients. So it's just like, wow, never been done before. Slaying it at retail. I didn't think she was going to say that, but she did. It came out of her mouth. I didn't say it. She did. I love that. Um, Give us the background. What was your background getting into this space? And what, what do you think it, it was that's so helpful for what you're doing right now? Well, thanks, Mark. I'm an older entrepreneur. I turned 50 when I decided to take my life savings as a single mom and throw it into the, you know, including my student university uh, funds into the, I'm going to put this in the pot to start spending towards my idea. Um, my background was 25 years before that. I'm an electrical engineer from McGill who went straight into business and marketing at Procter & Gamble. And then I just, I just stuck it out there. I did P&G, Frito-Lay, uh, which is PepsiCo and Heinz. And then I did 10 years as a VP of marketing in weight, two weight loss companies, including Weight Watchers. Very so I cool. had that background to launch brands. I also knew, you know, it's hard to launch brands and be successful. So you got to do your homework. Um, that, that's, a good, that's a good background uh, to have. I'm, I'm sure you got to see and be involved with a lot of great people. Uh, which is which is of course a help and then got to see from concept to commerce um you know what does that look like and and most importantly what were things that had success and what were things that failed and maybe you can pull all the little nuggets from there now now we we can always say though until you actually do it yourself and get hit with you know the, the real punches um there's nothing like that so um moving into first iteration when you when you knew you were going to do this Give us that steps for anybody who might want to do it themselves. What were the first few things that you did that got it off the ground? Yeah, very importantly, I read a book from Nina Teicholz on the plane to Expo West in 2016. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to change my diet. And as a marketer, there's no need for another book because all these pros are writing books, uh, Mark Sisson, et cetera. So I said, no, no, like I'm, I'm just going to launch a brand that's going to get the message out there. Because if you have 200 SKUs on a shelf that all scream, eat fats, don't eat sugar, 
that will work harder in, in my opinion and what I can do to change the world. Um, so that's what I did. I kind of started off with um, changing my diet right away. And then I had a PowerPoint. It was three, four pages initially, the positioning, uh, no packaging yet, the, the, the insight, the unmet need, the positioning and how it would work. And then really the first step after you have the courage to show that four page PowerPoint to a bunch of people and everyone says, wow, it's a great idea. Then you have to open up your wallet and start spending money because you got to get packaging um, and, sa and samples. And I had a couple of different names of, of uh, uh, names uh, for the brand. So I'm doing, you know, trades, trademark searches, et cetera. So the, the big step is to go from a concept on paper to, okay, now I'm going to have like packaging that's more than just sketch art and samples. Okay, that, that, that's, that is a great, uh, great comment and all factual, of course. Let's jump ahead and let's get into, let's say, 2019. How, do you, how did you get there as far as going from those first five stores into, you know, 500? You've probably figured out direct-to-consumer um, mm -hmm. and what you were doing there. And you're seeing this growth happening and also success as far as velocities. People are buying it. And not just buying it, but the most important thing, I say it all the time, but they're coming back to buy repeat, more. Repeat, repeat, yeah. repeat, repeat. So what, what did that look like? Let's say, just give us sort of the benchmark in 2000, middle of 2019, what the business looked like and, and what sort of told you, okay, we have something here. Yeah. So in middle of 2019, we started having repeat rates and POS numbers in Canada that were unheard of. And then if you multiplied by 10 to say, well, what could it be in the US? Because often packaged goods is either multiply by 10 or divide by 10, depending which country you're, you're in. Um, the numbers were just mind boggling. Like we, we would have been, you know, overnight, like one of the top five kind of US brands with, with just that, that. So the POS was, was incredible. We got some loyalty data from some banners that uh, we've partnered with. And the, the, the 12 months loyalty data increase was incredible. We were also rolling out innovation and the innovation in 2019, all the bars, you know, we went from two to 10 bars, all like in, in 24 months, all incremental, incremental. So we were seeing 100% incremental, velocities increasing. You know, we've, we've had uh, some velocities in some stores that are not club stores at $1,000 per week per store. These are tremendous, tremendous numbers that are, are unheard of. So uh, it was a really exciting time, mid-2019, because we were full in Canada and then in all the channels, food, drug, mass, club, and at performing really well everywhere. And we were really just getting ready for the US launch because we were dipping our feet with Whole Foods in, uh, in Q2, Q1, Q2 of um, 2019. And then we were listed at a bunch of banners for the fall of 19. So the whole organization was gearing up for the US launch. Role. What do you think was key as far as getting consumers to buy the product, especially first go around. M many, you know, often don't understand how important it is for trial to occur, right? So even if you have a great name, um, you're kind of in a good space. There's this thing now talking about, you know, low sugar and all, the, all those things, yep. right? And then you, of course, have the passion to put it out there, but that only goes so far. The reality is we talk also often, you can get it on shelf, 
um, but then you have to get it to turn. And so what do you think were the factors for, for those that might watch as far as getting those first iterations? Yeah, pulling it off the shelf is kind of a core staple in CPG. It's positioning product price value and then your awareness and trial. And your awareness and trial is a combination of your distribution, your trade spend, and your pure marketing spend. So we had all three kind of working really strong. The distribution just literally went in 3,000 stores kind of overnight in Canada. And then in Canada, we got you know Walmart and Club and the two of them just natural was growing at the same pace as everyone else because we had this magic that doesn't happen very often where you know you have all this distribution and natural in in Walmart and club and it's bringing everyone up the tide is rising so natural was thrilled you know in many banners we are their number one brand period in the banner of brand sold so that magic was happening. We did fuel it with the first 12 months, 200,000 samples. Um, we've always had our e-com conversion ads on. So we've always kind of had the, the you know, uh, e-com, we're, we're spending our 15% on uh, of advertising on e-com. So we always have some social uh, some advertising there in the background, not big amounts. Um, and we've not done much more than that in Canada. We've tested a few things in the U S and then we've, um, and then we, you know, the, the, the awareness and trial, the trial is through direct sampling and shows and demos. And we sampled a lot. Now, now that that I'm going to transition into the success and how you're able to raise recently, but since we're touching on it and the trial and the sampling is gone, what, are you able to do now, even though you do, you now you have your core consumers, you, they're buying it, but you still want to grow. What, what are you doing now to fill that void? So we're shifting. Uh, so it, we're, we're continuing to fuel with innovation. So lot like innovation news drives focus. So innovation, like the three new chewy nutties that we just launched is getting in stores and getting displays and, and, and getting on our, in, uh, on our social platforms. So we're, we've moved from trial to awareness. Um, the, the brand has with awareness, we have the benefit of innovation. So that's really helping in the U S we're I also just focus on awareness awareness versus trial and awareness and uh, just very practical and tactical between social and the digital me uh, mediums. We've had some DRTV that's also shown, you know, people see our ad and they buy the bar. So it's really a, a shift to awareness. Uh, lovely, lovely comments. Um, I really like this interview. I'm going to like sort of like stop here for a second um, because <laughs> Again, I, we've done, we're 58, and then I've had bonus ones and all that, and there, there have been amazing ones, but um, I know you totally get it. I, and we were lucky I met you before when we were doing that Sprouts thing and all that, but, and I'm like, listen, I'm like, she totally gets it. And <laughs> like, you, you do it, and, um, and it's just inspiring, and like, I'm already, people don't realize, I'm sitting on here like everybody else, and I'm like, pulling the nuggets, you know, I'm like, I can't wait to get off this thing, I'm about to just get fired up. Anyway, I love it. I love it. Get a good workout today. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I want to talk about the raise because it just you did just announce it. You raised uh, I'm going to say uh, 10 million or yeah, 10.7 million. It's Canadian dollars, so you have to discount that. Um, it's our first Series A. It's a, a preferred round. We've uh, I've been very very fortunate to have five common share rounds before that. You know, from the first, you know, I'm taking my money and then raised a couple hundred thousand to turn the machines on, and then we. Within six weeks, we were number one in two selling SKUs in every store we could go visit in Toronto. So we quickly topped up that raise and then topped it up again. And then, oh, we're launching two more SKUs. Oh, we're rolling out. Oh, we got listed here. We got listed there. We got listed there. So we moved pretty fast the five rounds in the first call it two and a half years. And then, uh, and then now um, we had, you know, we had rounds where we knew from a PL perspective, we wanted to move to a series A and then COVID just hit. So we, we kind of quickly made a few changes with the series A because um, we're, because COVID hit and we're very, you know, a record raise for us and uh, we're very, uh, very thrilled that our current shareholders, new shareholders, and then an institutional partner joined us. Walk us through the timeline for an A. Um, I, I, wanna, I wanna quickly talk about the money um, raised before because it's so important because, and again, it's a topic I talk about often and I'm transparent about it and I can tell the way you just said it, yep. you are too, so that people don't have this like, magical thought of like, oh, it's like, oh, it just happened. This is expensive. And if you want to scale and also you have a unique scenario where you saw things happening and you needed to hit the gas. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you did have access to capital. I mean, you knew the right people. They're willing to get the checkbook open and support this thing that you're saying, hey, not only am I going to tell you that this is this is real. I have data to support it. So, so just quickly, what is the timeline from first conversation to close with those that were involved with the A round, so that people understand how long that process takes? Oh, the A round is uh, January first to you know three weeks ago. You know, with an institutional partner. That's that's just the no. We were so we did kind of two phases. The the kind of our current shareholders and they closed in May. So that's still you know that's still from from the moment we kind of the board said we're doing this to the money in the bank was uh, was May and then uh, and then add some months uh, months to that. So it's not it, it's not long like sick. I mean. You hear 12 weeks all the time. Like I, I can't, you know, we've gone down this path a few times with uh, kind of exploring the, v- the U- VCs in the U.S. also. I think you have to give yourself six months. And, you know, one person kind of t- told me, or in VC said, you know, if you're over the barrel, like you, re- like you really want to be in a position of strength. So we're, we're able to raise the last two raises in a position of strength where, you know, we're not like needing these, you know, these dollars on this month. And that is really, really important. Yeah, that's a great comment. Yeah, um, there, it's often kind of this, this idea of, raise when you don't need to. Correct. Um, you know, it's like in anything, almost because there's a sales element to it. And people don't get it too. Like I was going to jokingly say, hasn't it been so fun for you? I mean, as a founder, one of the one of the most fun things to do is to be raising capital. It's like, it's the worst. It, it, it's, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not what you signed up for, right? Mm-hmm. Your passion and commitment is to the brand 
and to the why. Why am I doing this? Yep. And, and that why is completely connected to the customer. People yep. don't talk about that enough. It's the customer. They're the ones who this is for. It's on top of your North Star and your why and all that. But within all that, within me, within all that, you have to raise capital yep. and you got to have these conversations and there's no all the time. And then there's the maybe that gets dragged out yeah. forever and then it becomes no. Yep. It's not fun. It's it not fun. I, I've done it six times. It's been a huge, huge, huge part of my kind of my time. Um, it's necessary though. Like it's just kind of part of, you know, I always said to myself, I'm not a salesperson. That's why I went in marketing and I wind up, you know, you kind of spend like most of your time selling. And then at the same time, you're trying to keep the business moving forward. And it's, it's not like I would enjoy it because I love talking about my brand. I'm, you know, I have a great pitch deck and, and in our case, you know, you keep, meeting new people and everyone you meet wants to invest and then wants to learn more getting the the check at the end is a, a different conversation but you know it's a, it's certainly has been a positive experience with the the energy and feedback but it, it's not you know it's not kind of um it's not where the CEO can make the biggest difference in terms of the brand, but it's necessary without the funding. There's no brand. Well um, said. Mark, I just want to pick up on what I've, uh, what I've always said in our company meetings is uh, who's, you know, who's the boss in the company. And then at first everyone says, Oh, well, it's you. I'm like, no, no, who's, you know, and then, Oh no, it's actually the board. No, no. Okay. Well, there's the shareholders. No, no. Madame consumer is the boss. She's our boss. If she doesn't buy our bars and she doesn't buy our shakes, then it just toggles from there. So ultimately, you kind of really have to have the mindset that she's driving ultimately the boss of the, the decisions. And then the retailer it, uh, facilitates and enables that to happen. And you kind of have to have that mindset. And, and, uh, and that's what I kind of learned 20 years ago. And, and to this day, I still kind of make sure we live and breathe. That is an amazing statement. And I'm glad you circled back to it. Yeah, and I'll go one step further. Oftentimes they say, oh, well, you're the founder. And you, yeah, I, I work for this company. Mm -hmm. I work for the company the same way my team does. And I will do whatever task, whatever job you throw at me. And, and that's that. And, and why? Because I work for the company for what you just described is the end all, which is the customer. Once you have that set in your mind, and that is how you are going to go about your day every single day, then you might have something. And then, of course, all the, the million other things that, that get in your way. Now, I want to close this up on some really positive, 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 fun stuff. What does the brand look like uh, in 21? Let's just like, let's reach out almost 12 months. Let's say October 21, where are you positioned? How does the brand look? Well, we, we're, we're in a bar brand, bar and shakes. We continue to have innovation. So we just launched three Chewy Nutty and that's really shifting. We have our rich truffle uh, core bars and now we have Chewy Nutty. So depending what taste experience you like and texture experience, we have a wide range there. We're certainly working on quite a bit of innovation. Nothing that I can talk about now. Continuing to evolve and innovate both in segments and products, uh, packaging and 
the way we approach marketing. There's a, 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 a nice theme of innovation. So if we, if we can get back on the phone in two months from now, I'll be able to, to, to reveal quite a few exciting things. That's very cool. And we will, for sure. Uh, well, shout out. I'm going to put your info up there. Everybody needs to go grab some bars. Uh, we get into it, Jason, a couple minutes on complete recycling, which is cool because I know you guys understand this whole, this whole thing that goes on with packaging and recycling and why it's important and sustainability and all the, all the rest for those in CPG. What's, what's your focus? Give us the platform. Well, you know, thanks for having me on for, for one. I, I, I follow you consistently, so I love it. But complete recycling, the whole kit and caboodle is, you know, we're an environmental consultation firm. So, you know, our framework is, is built around by putting in environmental solutions for manufacturers, distributors, co-packers, you know, anybody that's, you know, making something, they're going to have a byproduct, right? Whether that's widgets, whether that's protein bars, you know, whether it's appliances, you're always going to have manufacturing waste. And I think really, really the key trending on and more prevalent now is, is everybody wants to be sustainable. Forget the political arena, people politicizing sustainability. It's just good. It's just practical, right? We have to be a good steward of the environment. So, you know, um, if we're going to make something, um, let's try to really, really lessen our carbon footprint. And um, within that construct, you know, it's really, really beneficial for these distributors, co-packers, manufacturers, because they can really mitigate, put money back in their pocket, right? Impact their environmental goals. And really, you know, if they're conscious that way, you know, we are a solutions provider that puts those solutions together for the client. Very cool. Yeah. And perfect, uh, perfect time with everything that's going on. And like, there's just, we're, we're, we're all trying to do better uh, in all ways. Susie, Jason, their info is there. Pleasure having you on. Have a tremendous rest of the week. All Thanks, right. Mark. Peace. Thanks.